It's 6 p.m. and you're tuned to your community radio station, KVMR-FM, Nevada City, KCPC Camino. Today is Thursday, July 20th, and this is the KVMR Evening News. I'm Julia Jim. Oil and gas wells left behind by operators can have less than favorable effects on residents living around them. Dizziness, nausea, and headaches, just to name a few. The California Report covers new efforts to help permanently seal them. After a look at local news and weather, we'll hear from members of Nevada County's Emergency Operations Center, the central site for managing and coordinating the support of tactical field operations during emergencies like wildfires. We close with an essay by Molly Fisk. This is the California Report. I'm Madi Bolaños in San Francisco. Now that state officials have outlined a plan to clean up nearly 400 orphaned wells across central and southern California, rural underserved communities living near them stand to benefit the most. KVPR's Joshua Yeager has the details from Kern County. Orphan wells are prone to leaking methane, a potent greenhouse gas, and other toxic compounds. But permanently sealing these wells is expensive. Courtney Smith with the California Department of Conservation says new money from the state budget is a game changer this year. We really, we have an unprecedented opportunity right now to address oil and gas wells that have been left behind by operators and to address the real threats these wells pose to California communities. That includes communities like Arvin, a small town in rural Kern County that sits atop an active oil field. About a third of the wells to be plugged are here. Organizer Cesar Aguirre says residents have felt the effects of leaky wells for decades. Dizziness, nausea, headaches. He says the spending plan brings long overdue relief. I'm excited that something's actually being done about it because before it felt like a lot of the, the complaints and issues and concerns were falling into a void of bureaucracy. State officials say 40% of all funding will be spent in disadvantaged communities. For the California Report, I'm Joshua Yeager in Bakersfield. Support for the California Report comes from Guideline. Their automated 401k plans can be set up in 20 minutes. More at guideline.com CA. Guideline, the California way to 401k. Stanford Medicine, comprising its School of Medicine and Adult and Children's Health Systems, working together to advance knowledge and improve lives. StanfordMedicine.org. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt through the Schmidt Family Foundation, working together to create a just world where all people have access to renewable energy, clean air and water, and healthy food. On the web at theschmidt.org. And now to another in our occasional series, My California Summer. The Grateful Dead's offshoot band Dead & Company says this summer was their last tour. And their final stop on that tour was in San Francisco, where the California Report's Izzy Bloom talked to fans about the end of an era. In the hours before Dead & Company's San Francisco concert, there's a big crowd at Shakedown Street. That's the flea market slash tailgating party in the parking lot of every show. Vendors and pop-up tents offer anything and everything a concert goer might want. Cool beverages, grilled cheese sandwiches, synthetic flower crowns, and thigh-high tie-dye socks. All kinds of formal and informal sales take place here. 
There's somebody trying to trade a joint for a hot dog. Several people wander the crowd offering balloons filled with nitrous oxide. Tie-dye clad fans mill about with signs reading free hugs and hold up a finger in the air asking for a miracle. In other words, a ticket to tonight's sold-out show. Heather Dunbar already has her ticket and is looking forward to the concert. But first, she's walking around Shakedown Street with a beer in hand. This is, you know, this is a family, you know, and there's people who come together on Dead Tour, who meet on Shakedown, who don't need to see each other any time of the year, only when shows happen. So I would say the sun is shining, the vibe is high, and we are all ready for them to play like they've never played before. How do you feel about this being their final tour? Oh my gosh, it's hard to believe that it actually is, and I wonder if it will be the final tour. It does feel like a monumental moment. The Grateful Dead was founded in the San Francisco Bay Area in the 1960s, amid the rise of the counterculture movement. After lead singer Jerry Garcia died in 1995, Grateful Dead band members formed new bands with new names. The latest offshoot is Dead & Company, which formed in 2015 and includes John Mayer. Brian Platsky has been a Shakedown Street vendor for 38 years, and he says San Francisco is the perfect place to close out this chapter of the band. Grateful Dead just represents going for it. That's all it is. Going for it's American freedom and saying, hey, I want to do what I want to do, go where I want to go, live how I want to live, right? What is that? Nothing's more San Francisco than that, too. Platsky dropped out of high school at 15 to follow the band on tour, selling Deadhead merch like t-shirts with his original designs. It's been his full-time job ever since. This is just like a microcosm of a little society where money's generated, uh, people have similar beliefs of the music, whatever the case is, but they conglomerate to sell their wares, share their times, and move on. That's also true for vendor Erin Cadigan. She remembers going to her first show back in the 80s with a shaved head and combat boots. And I walked onto that first parking lot and was like, oh my God, there's an entire society of adults that seem to be functioning in space in exactly the way that I want to, and this is what I'm doing with my life. Cadigan started selling art and traveling with the band. She even met her husband at Shakedown Street, and now she offers tarot card readings. Cadigan interprets a card for a would-be concert goer who doesn't have a ticket. This is creative manifestation. Whatever is manifesting in your life that you want to do, the time is now, just go for it, like boom. So you think I'm gonna get into the show tonight? Absolutely, yes, go. Why are you standing here, go get a ticket. Even though Dead & Company says this is their last tour, lots of fans and vendors plan to follow individual band members and other jam bands from the Dead's extended family. The music's never gonna stop. You know, and even after everybody's maybe gone from this plane, I truly believe at this point that it's just going to keep going. For the California Report, I'm Izzy Bloom in San Francisco. And finally, you've probably heard of the sea otter in Santa Cruz County that's been harassing surfers and hijacking their surfboards. Well, it's been about a month since photos and stories of this sea otter took over the internet. Since then, she's evaded capture twice. Officials say she needs to be captured because her behavior poses a danger to herself and others. But there's a growing group of people who are Team Sea Otter, including myself. 
And that's the California Report for Thursday, July 20th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm your host, Madi Bolaños. Thanks for listening and have a great day. In regional news, according to Ubinet, Placer County is experiencing a record amount of West Nile virus detections in its mosquito and wild bird population this year. As of yesterday, 66 positive mosquito samples and 10 positive dead birds have been detected in the county, from rural West Placer, West Roseville, Lincoln, and Newcastle. It's believed that record rainfall from this spring has left standing water throughout the county, and that that stagnant water, plus high summer temperatures, has contributed to the increase in West Nile virus transmission risk. Under these conditions, the risk of transmission from a mosquito bite is very high, The district is conducting wide-area adult mosquito treatments to reduce the number of infected mosquitoes in the environment. District staff will continue to aggressively treat immature and adult mosquito populations throughout the county to help continue limiting the risk of disease transmission to people over the coming months. In the meantime, you can protect yourself by using a mosquito repellent with an EPA-registered ingredient when you're outside, especially during dusk and dawn when mosquitoes are most active. You can also dump and drain all standing water that can contribute to mosquito development. And you can contact the district at placermosquito.org or 916-380-5444 with any questions or concerns. A press release from Caltrans is alerting State Route 20 motorists in Nevada County to expect additional travel delays while blasting work occurs on the Omega Curves Safety Improvement Project. Construction crews plan to hold traffic in the White Cloud area for about 30 minutes during blasting operations that are scheduled to occur between 9 a.m. and noon on Friday, July 21st. Motorists are reminded that normal one-way traffic controls remain in effect during regular construction activity from 6 a.m. to 4.30 p.m. Monday through Friday. You may see additional work also taking place on Saturday, July 22nd, between 6 a.m. and 4.30 p.m. Motorists should allow up to 40 minutes of additional travel time when driving through the Lowell Hill and White Cloud construction zones located along a 14-mile stretch of highway between Conservation Road and Lowell Hill. The White Cloud blasting work is required to remove hard rock where the new highway alignment is being constructed. Construction crews are also installing drainage and performing earthwork to widen sections of the roadway. For construction updates, you can check out the department's Twitter at caltransdist 3 and on Facebook at Caltrans District 3. Turning now to a look at the regional weather forecast from the National Weather Service. In Grass Valley and Nevada City, tonight, clear with a low around 66. Friday, sunny and hot with a high near 99. Friday night, mostly clear with a low around 69. For Truckee and Lake Tahoe, tonight, clear with a low around 48. Friday, sunny with a high near 92. Friday night, mostly clear with a low around 50. And for Sacramento and the surrounding valley, tonight, clear with a low around 65. Friday, sunny and hot with a high near 106. Friday night, mostly clear with a low around 66. And while there are currently no red flag warnings or fire weather watches, the National Weather Service is issuing a heat advisory warning for Grass Valley and Nevada City, as well as in and around Sacramento. The advisory is in effect from 11 a.m. Friday to 11 p.m. Saturday. 
You're listening to the Evening News on KVMR. During an emergency, the Nevada County Office of Emergency Services activates something called the Emergency Operations Center, or EOC. It works to help coordinate support for tactical field operations and is especially important during events like wildfires. Coming up, KVMR's Claudio Mendoza talks with some of its members. With wildfire season officially upon us, members of the Nevada County Emergency Operations Center, the EOC, stop by KVMR for a chat. Taylor Wolf, the county's public information officer, is taking a short leave, and it seemed like a great opportunity to introduce the team to our audience. During an emergency, this team will coordinate amongst the various agencies involved to provide clear and consistent communications to the public. We have a really great team here to make sure we're covered during wildfire season, too. As we know, here in Nevada County, that's something that we deal with every year now. Uh, We always have fire activations, uh, emergency operations center activations. So we have a great team that we've built up that will not only support us this year, but for years beyond that uh, to make sure we're doing the best job the county can do to get information out to the community, to partner with our radio partners and local media. So here with us today, we have Vera De Ferrari. My name is Vera De Ferrari. When I'm not with the emergency operations center, I am an administrative analyst with the Community Development Agency, so I work on lots of projects, database-specific projects, budgets, and help as the CDA's public information officer. We have Josh White. My name is Josh White, and I'm an administrative analyst for the Information and General Services Agency. And Maggie Gilmore from our Madeline Helling Library Branch. My name is Margaret Gilmore. I serve as the library's public information officer. And during an emergency activation on the EOC PIO team as well. There's the OES, the Office of Emergency Services, and then there's the EOC, the Emergency Operations Center. The OES is a county department and it activates the EOC during emergencies. Here's Josh White. So the Office of Emergency Services is a department within the county. It's fully staffed as a department head, um, and they undergo a lot of different yearly activities, right? So kind of preparedness for our whole community when it comes to emergencies, but also they have analysts that uh, apply for grants, things like that. They have an administration support, um, and they also have a, a defensible space inspection wing with staff there that will go out and visit homes within the community and provide advice on how to make sure that their properties are kind of ready for wildfire. So Office of Emergency Services has a lot of different responsibilities within the county, and it's its own standalone department. The Emergency Operations Center is led by the Office of Emergency Services, but it's comprised of staff from across the county organization. So, for example, myself, I work in the administration section of the Information and General Services Agency, but if uh, an emergency happens, if a wildfire were to happen or during the winter storms most recently, then the Emergency Operations Center would be activated by the Office of Emergency Services. And then myself, I would switch roles. 
I would kind of put aside what I was doing on my normal day to day, and I start focusing on public information um, duties within uh, the EOC in regards to that emergency. So, other staff, there's different sections of the EOC. There's logistics, there's planning, there's public information and things like that. So different teams of staff will kind of put aside their normal tasks and then start focusing on response to that emergency. We kind of all get activated, we put aside what we're doing, and then we focus on response um, for that emergency to assist the community. I wanted to know what triggered an activation. So our, like Josh was telling us earlier about activating our emergency operations center, The Emergency Operations Center is designed to be able to scale up and scale down, pull in additional staff or let staff go as an emergency needs. So, you know, most often, let's say for with a wildfire, um, if things look like they're heading towards an evacuation, we're probably getting pretty close, if not already activated through our Emergency Operations Center. Our public information team is usually already tuned in to that wildfire event by then, and they're starting to monitor and track. As soon as that first code red emergency alert with an evacuation warning or order goes out, typically that's what cues off our signal to really start leaning in and making sure we're pushing public information out. Before we said goodbye, I asked for final thoughts. Here's Vera Ferrari. Everyone needs to be ready. This is the time for Nevada County to be ready, Nevada County. And there's lots of resources on the Office of Emergency Services website. Highly recommend everyone get their go bags, find their five, which is your five friends or neighbors across the county that can help you know that you need to be activated and need to be moving out of your area if the occasion occurs because it is wildfire season. It has arrived. It is here. We have low humidity and high heat. And here's Maggie Gilmore. It's critical that you know your zone. You can look up your zone uh, on Zone Haven. That would be the zone that would be evacuated in case of a wildfire. If you would like to have someone else look up your zone for you, a great place to do that is at the public library. We have Know Your Zone magnets where you can write your zone on that magnet and put that up on your fridge. We can look up your zone for you at any Nevada County Library location. We also have evacuation tags if you need to pick up an evacuation tag, which is great to place on your door handle once you have left so that authorities and first responders know that that building is clear. Vera, Josh, and Maggie are all dedicated to keeping our community informed, and working with KVMR and other media partners will provide the most up-to-date information possible in any large-scale emergency. I'm Claudio Mendonça for KVMR News. And now, Molly Fisk. Molly Fisk, Observations from a Working Poet. There seems to be a trend right now among aquatic denizens to cause humans trouble. Sharks everywhere, which is no surprise, but suddenly a whole lot near Cape Cod, whose waters are full of summer swimmers. Orcas attacking sailboat rudders along the Iberian Peninsula off the coast of Spain, and even sinking three. News sources are pretty sketchy about the reasons for this, some speculating it's teenaged killer whales playing a fun game, others that a rudder may have damaged one whale and its relatives are taking revenge. 
In other words, they have no idea. Not to be outdone, California reports that a southern sea otter, charmingly named number 841, is climbing onto surfboards in Monterey Bay and scaring their riders away. Sometimes she sunbathes or actually surfs herself on small waves. Sometimes she bites the boards for reasons entirely unclear. More is known about number 841 than the orcas. She's the child of a domesticated mother otter who was raised at a marine sanctuary. Though the pup was kept as wild as possible and then released into the Pacific kelp forests, she may have learned from her mom that humans aren't that dangerous. Anyway, now fish and game wardens are trying to capture her so she doesn't bite anyone and have to be put down. This story was reported in the New York Times and Britain's The Guardian, proving again that we all love a pirate, a rebel, someone going to extremes for a cause that looks like freedom, and so far getting away with it. I love it when humans get outwitted, as long as it isn't my surfboard and no one dies. Remember, I'm the woman who puts up with skunks using her kitchen as a fast food joint for months at a time. So far, none has sprayed. This chomping on surfboard thing is odd. One day she tasted four or five and then chose her favorite, rainbow striped, and hopped on. It was Pride Month, too, just to give you more ammunition for making up stories. A local has been videotaping her shenanigans, which is how we know she does ride waves now and then. Otters have strong jaws with which to crunch crabs and mollusks. One article even mentioned their distant relation to wolverines, which got my attention, although my park ranger friend rolled her eyeballs, saying this was a stretch. I'm pretty gullible where news about animals is concerned. The big problem is that humans are indeed dangerous. If wild animals causing trouble go too far, humans will blast them to smithereens one way or another. These examples aren't necessarily related to climate crisis, but that crisis is going to be creating more interaction and friction between us and the natural world as it builds. Populations will be moving north and far south as water and land warm and food sources travel. All of us will be more and more irritable. I think number 841 needs a better name now that she's world-renowned. Who are some rebellious females? Annie Oakley? Amelia Earhart? The pirate Anne Bonny? If I knew the moniker of a famous female longboarder, I would tell you. But you're going to have to ask Surfer Google. Award-winning poet Molly Fisk writes, coaches, and teaches writing in California's Sierra Nevada foothills. You can reach her at mollyfisk.com. This program is produced at the studios of KVMR-FM, Nevada City, California. Funding is provided by Harmony Books of Downtown Nevada City and KVMR with support from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. That's our newscast for this Thursday, July 20th. Head over to our website, kvmr.org, or subscribe to the KVMR News Podcast to hear more. KVMR gets support from listeners like you, and from Mother Truckers and Natural Selection. 
Now serving the community with online shopping and curbside pickup in Grass Valley and on the San Juan Ridge. Online ordering at naturalselectiongrocery.com or mothertruckersgrocery.com. Support for KVMR's Future of Radio project comes from AJA Video Systems, empowering the next generation of local journalists and broadcasters. The KVMR Evening News is produced by KVMR News Director Claudio Mendoza. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Julia Jem. Have a great night. Oh.